Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. The portal's closed. And the question is, how many of the incredible players that Coach Elko brought in could start for Texas A&M this year? You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in to Locked on Aggies. I'm your host, Andrew Stefani. Thanks for making Locked on Aggies your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Friday. Happy Super Bowl weekend. Really excited. I mean, you know, you get Terry Bussey and then you get the Super Bowl. I mean, like, it's it's a good couple of days, ladies and gentlemen. So here's the question today. You know, Coach Elko brings in an incredible transfer portal class. And I, you know, I, I've seen this narrative floating around now of Coach, you know, well, it was it was a, a it was a quantity over quality. Um, over quality kind of portal class. And I look at this and I go, don't agree with that. I mean, so I'm really excited about this transfer portal class. So I wanted to go through eight guys that I think can start from this portal class. And I, and legitimately looking through it, you know, I, I really dug into this trying to find, I think that there are, I think you could see six transfers start next year. Now, that's obviously not much of a surprise knowing you lost a ton of your roster. It's different if you don't, you know, have as much roster turnover as Texas A&M did have. But um, that's why, you know, you're going to have a lot of transfer start. And it's not really much of a surprise knowing what all you lost. But still interesting to have a ton of transfers come in and play. You know, guys, you didn't know who they were six months before the season kind of stuff. So the number one guy, and this is a boring answer, but is Nick Scorton. Um I actually have a mailbag question about Nick Scorton that is is really interesting. And, well, a mailbag question that the answer is Nick Scorton. But, I mean, you know, I, I need to stop talking about him because everybody knows my thoughts on Nick Scorton. It's like I don't know what the point is of even talking about him anymore. Y'all know how I feel. I think he's a legit dude that could come in and be an All-American player. I think he could uh, lead the SEC in sacks. And I, I think that um, the NFL could come calling. So, you know, I think that he's my number one guy. You're going to see him out there rushing the quarterback, stopping the run, doing everything he can to make this um, Texas A&M defense better. I think you're going to see him get a lot of sacks. I think you're going to see him play really, really good football for this team. So he's my number one guy, and it's not much of a surprise. I am. Um, I'm really excited to see him out on the field. 
I think he's going to have a great, great, great season. And just, and I think that I, I do, I think the sack number is going to be truly insane. When you see, you know, the the amount of sacks that Nick Scorton puts up on the board, I think it's going to really, we're going to look at it and we're going to go, wow. Um, my number two guy is Will Lee. So, you know, I've seen a lot of people in the comments saying, you know, well, Willie got burned a lot last year at Kansas State. And you're right. You're, I'm not going to fight you over that. You, you are correct. Willie did get burned, um, you know, some at um, some at Kansas State last year. But I will also say this. Watching him, just watching the tape, you know, obviously one thing I like to add, highlight tape is exactly what the word says. Highlight, you know. No low lights. There's no, you know, they, they don't put the bad plays on there as much. Um, I did I did find some poor plays by Will Lee. And I think what's what's exciting about him is the athleticism's there, the um skill is there. I just think um different communication things. I think he needs to learn a little bit, you know, a little bit more about and I think Coach Elko can teach that to him. The new secondary coach can teach this to him. So I I think he's gonna. You know, here, listen, I'm going to be honest with y'all. There are a ton of secondary players on this list because I think you're going to see three transfers from the secondary or transfer players start in the secondary this year. That's, you know, it's a position where you've got a lot of young guys that could be the future, but maybe that future isn't for another year. Um, and Will Lee is a player that I think is going to have a really good season for Texas State. Now, I think that the issues he had at Kansas State will be cleaned up and he's going to have a good year. So he's my number two. My number three is the Cal Poly corner transfer, Donovan Saunders. Um, this is this is one of those – he's one of those players that it's it, it's going to be interesting because it's a big step for him. But, I, I mean, he's just so good. You know what I mean? He is just so good. Um Another guy that the, the tape on him doesn't lie, but the competition levels, the question mark, and that's kind of what I always talk about. Those of you every day as you're at Locked On Aggies know is, you know, you've got different competition levels at when you when you're a tra- when you're a transfer. You've got the SEC guys coming into um, another school. Obviously, they've got SEC. They've proven they can play in the SEC. Then you've got. Um, the, you know, the lower school guys, the non-power five guys that are coming in and, 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 okay, it's, it, it's, you know, it's more high individual in football. Then you've got the low end guys and that's what Donovan Saunders is. But I mean, I'm just telling you, this dude can play ball. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him out there. He's one of those guys. He could be incredible and work his way into the NFL draft, or he could be a bit of a bust. He could go either way. But I think it's an upside play, and if the upside hits, I like it. Um, and then I've got Jabri Barber, the receiver. His path to play, his path to starting is very, very difficult, very difficult. But you know, to get eight names on this list, you kind of had to have Jabri Barber, and he's a player. You know, it would it would take a lot. It would take a lot for him to sneak into a starting lineup, but I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility. I'm kind of anxious. I'm really he's one of those players that like, you know, I'm anxious to see what Donovan Saunders does in the SEC, of course. And you know, I'm anxious to see what uh how Willie does. Is he gonna fix some of his issues? Will will the coaching staff help him out? 
With Jabri Barber, for me, I'm more just interested to see what his role is going to be. I think we know who he is as a player. I, I feel pretty good about who he is as a player. Um, I think he's a good receiver, and he's going to help this team. But I think he's got a he can start upside, or he could get 40 snaps on the season. I mean, like that's the you know ceiling and the floor of of, of Jabri Barber. So it's going to be really interesting to see what he does. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it. The next guy I have here is the Alabama transfer corner, Des Ricks. Des Ricks is a guy we didn't see a ton at Alabama last year. You know, young, young guy, but I just, I think this kid's going to be special. I trust, you know, Alabama when it comes to recruiting secondary players. I think that Des Ricks would have, you know, had Saban stayed, I think he'd have had a shot, you know, with like Kool-Aid McKinstry moving on to the NFL. Des Ricks would have had a shot to, to hop in a starting lineup this year. Um, and, you know, so we don't have much college tape, but the high school tape is incredible, incredible, which is, of course, why he was, um, you know, why he was a five-star player. And, I mean, you know, rated the 98-983 out of at high school. So um, Ricks is a guy I would not be surprised crack the starting lineup he's i mean there's just the upside there is higher than anybody i think really except for scorton in this transfer portal class the next guy i got here is marcus ratcliffe the safety i think that marcus ratcliffe of san diego state safety i think that marcus ratcliffe is a player um who of the safeties that you brought in of Ricky wright and trey jones i think um ratcliffe has the highest chance of starting I think he's going to be a really good player, and, and um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start. Next I got is Alex Howard, the linebacker from Youngstown State. I think that Alex Howard is is one of the most underrated players in this transfer portal class. You know, not talked about a ton, Youngstown State, but I just I think he if, if it all clicks for him and he starts, I think he could be really really good. Um, I, I, he's got some of the best tape of all the portal class. So um, and I, I would really not be surprised to see him out there, um, you know, with York. Then I've got Derek Graham, the offensive lineman from Troy. I just think that if an, it, the reason I, I stuck him in here at eight is if an offensive tackle is going to start, I think it's going to be Derek Graham. Uh, he, his tape was the most exciting tape to me. I like that he can play tackle. It's a position of need, and I think it, it, he has he's, he's going to be fighting for a starting role, and I think of the offensive linemen that came in via the portal, his chance to a starting role is the best of all of those guys. So those are eight guys that I could see work their way into a starting role. So let me know y'all's thoughts on that. Do you think you, we could see um, any of those guys step into a starting role? And are there, is there a name that you, you'd like on the list I didn't have? Let me know all of those things in the comments. We're going to answer some mailbag questions. We've got some really interesting ones to, uh, coming up today. And we'll do that coming up right here on Locked on Aggies. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. We're almost there, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, the media day is over. All that's gone and passed, and I just I'm starting to get this weird feeling the Chiefs are going to win. Um, 
and I really want the 49ers to win. So I don't know what to do on Fandle. I don't know what to do. I don't have a good feeling one way or the other. I like the 49ers, but I just think the Chiefs have just been great in the playoffs. I think that they're on a roll. Uh, you know, Kelsey and Mahomes are getting going. They didn't have a great regular season, but they're getting going now. And I just have a weird feeling they're going to win it all. Fandle has so many ways to end the season with a dub or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but Fandle also has bets for who's going to score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit Fandle.com slash locked on to sign up. That's Fandle.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fandle, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, got some really interesting mailbag questions, which once again, I always want to reiterate, those of you that want you know to be involved in the mailbag uh, section, uh, in the offseason, I try and do it every Friday. Um, let me know. You can put it in the comments of the show. You can DM me on Twitter. You can DM the show on Twitter. Um, I had a couple people send me them on LinkedIn. I mean, there's a ton of places you can send me uh, mailbag questions. Anywhere you want, send them over to me. I, I love answering them. I love hearing y'all's thoughts and questions, and let's let's answer some of them. So the first one is just, you know, now that Bussy signed, Bourdon has signed, and the new receiver, who I already forget his name, um, Ashton Bethel Roman, that's his name, um, the new receiver, how do I feel about the 2024 class? And I, and I'll tell you, I feel pretty good about it. I feel be, and the reason I feel pretty good about it was because here I'm going to, I'm going to draw a line chart for those of you. So folks that are listening on audio, you're, you're missing out on this line chart, but I mean, it went, it went up, went up. The class did, you know, coach Fisher gets fired. Things look bad. It kind of plateaus. And then there goes Cam Coleman and Draylon Miller and Dominic McKinley, and you start falling down a little bit of the path. So, so we, we were on a high, and now we're coming down. But then what does Coach Elko do? He goes and he gets a, a Solomon Williams and Isaiah Williams. Uh, those two guys, Sam High School, gets them around the same time, adds two four-stars that we weren't expecting. Um, go get a Kendall Jackson. When did he commit again? I forget when he committed. Um, December 19th. Yeah. So go get a Kendall Jackson, like add those guys, go get hold on to Terry Bussey, go get a Bordon, go get an Ashton Bethel Roman. This is what I'm talking about. You, 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 I didn't know what coach Elko was going to be able to do when it came to kind of closing this class. I thought it was going to be the, the goal was to hold on to Bussey and that's it. But what do you do? You add a, a three-star tackle, you add a four-star, high four-star receiver in Ashton Bethel Roman. You sign your huge five-star, do-it-all, uh, corner athlete, receiver, quarterback, um, left fielder, 
whatever you need him to do, he can do it. I mean, like if you needed Terry Bussey to start at left field for Texas A&M, I think he could do it. Well, he did. He played baseball. He, of course he could. He could do anything you need him to do. If you like, I mean, if you're like, Terry, I need you to do 500 push-ups in three minutes or um, I'm going to, you know, or I'm going to lose a million dollars, he'd get it done for you. I just feel pretty confident in that. Um, Kendall Jackson, is he a four-star on here? No, he's he's a three-star. I thought that maybe, maybe let's see. Nope, yeah, they have him as a four-star um, in the composite rankings. So four-star in the composite rankings, Kendall Jackson is. And then you've got um, the two guys, Solomon Williams and Isaiah Williams, both from Carrollwood Day in Tampa, Florida, both of them, high four-star players. So Coach Elko closed this class incredibly well. Like I said, I thought that the only goal was me to hold on to Terry Bussey. Not only did you hold on to Terry Bussey, but you bring in these other guys that really boosted this class. Having this class 16th, you know, for where it was, where, oh, we're up to number three, and then we're down far, far, and then bring it back up. I was really impressed with what Coach Elko did finishing up this class. So I, I was really happy with that. Um, so, and then uh, my next question kind of uh, piggybacks off of that is where do I think tw the tw Elko's 2025 class will end up? I think that he's going to have a top 10 class. But I think that it's going to – when I say top 10, I think it's going to be 8, 9, 10. I don't think it's going to be like 4, 5, 6. Um, and then I think after that, you could start seeing them reel in uh, top five classes. But I do think that the first class he's going to have at Texas A&M, like first real class, will be top 10. I mean, it's just – and at the end of the day, I think that he's hired a lot of great recruiters to his staff. I think Elko can recruit himself. And on top of all of those things – Texas A&M, once again, sells itself. I'm still – I told you all I was going to do an episode on the NIL. I'm back and forth with some folks. It's good. It's that's Getting information on that is taking a little bit more time, but that's perfect because I think this is more of an off-season topic. But that's going to be a really fun conversation. I'm doing some really deep dive stuff into that, so be patient on that, but it's going to be worth the wait. Um, So that's my thought on the 2025 class. So this is interesting. Who will be the first – a&M player drafted, not in this upcoming draft, but next year's draft. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of names here. A lot of names. But I'll tell you this. And this is why I, I kind of foreshadowed talking about Nick Scorton. I think if Nick Scorton, he was class 2022, so he'll be eligible after this season. If he has the kind of season that I think he's going to have at Texas A&M, knowing how much edge rushers and pass rushers are loved and valued by the NFL. I could see his himself working his way into the first round. That That's how good he is. If he comes into the SEC and has nine, 10, 11 sacks. Yes, he can, he can work his way into the first round of the NFL draft knowing that he did it. He did 10 sacks the year before in the big 10. I mean, it's very, very possible for a player like um, Nick Scorton to work his way into it. Hope a little halftime of this segment. Shout out. Um, Miles Garrett wins Defensive Player of the Year. Good for Miles Garrett. Really cool to see. Um, and you can talk about recruiting. I think that's something. I mean, look at all the you, – you can just point at all these talented former Texas A&M players in the league. Hey, Miles Garrett. Hey, Mike Evans had an incredible year. I mean, you know, you can point at all these guys and use that as, as, a, as a tool. I mean, because I feel like Texas A&M, a lot of the guys Texas A&M has in the league are, are stars. You know, I mean, real genuine stars. So it's a recruiting tool. Hey, you want to, you want, you play like Miles Garrett? Well, come here to Texas AM. We'll have you be the next Miles Garrett. 
you're a, a tall, lengthy receiver, come here and be the next Mike Evans, and you'll uh, catch. You, you'll uh, be a thousand yard receiver every year. That's kind of, I think it, it can be a tool. But uh, congrats to Miles Garrett. Um, everybody's happy for you, of course. So I've got. I'm going to be short and sweet here because I think that y'all be really interested in the next question. So I'm going to. So this one biggest concern. Um, someone asked it again. I'm pretty sure I answered it a couple weeks ago in mailbag, but it's it's offensive line, and I, I don't see that changing. I feel better about the secondary based on the uh, additions you made via the portal to where now it's like I'm offensive. The offensive line will make or break this, this 2024 Texas A&M football team. Um, and then who do I feel good, the best about it probably be, I mean, this sounds a little, you know, it's broad, but just the front seven as a whole, I feel really good about Texas A&M's front seven heading the next year. Um, I mean, really, really good about it. So this is a really good question I got, and it's a baseball question. And, folks, like I said, I love baseball. I love baseball questions. I love to sit here and talk about baseball. You give me an excuse to talk about baseball, I will do it. Um, and this is a really interesting question I got, and it says, "What's to me, what's more likely, Texas A&M winning the SEC or Texas A&M going to Omaha? And I have an interesting answer. That's why I wanted to bring this up. I honestly think it's more likely to go to Omaha. I'll tell you why. I often say that I think the SEC is the best class, is the best conference in any sport in college football. I mean, in college athletics. I mean, SEC baseball is is a farm system at this point, and Texas A&M is you know a highly ranked team. I've got some, um, you know, we got some preseason players. I'm going to save that for our preview for next week because um, we're going to preview the baseball team for a deep dive next week heading into opening day. Um, but I just think that it's hard to win the SEC because you're going against, you know, top 10 teams every weekend. And when you get in the, in the postseason, especially if you're able to host, all you are the best team there. And then you go to a super. The only thing that really scares me when you go to a super is, A, going to play another SEC team, or B, having to play another SEC team. I mean, you know what I mean? I just think that – now, obviously, are there outliers? Yes. Uh, Florida State's been historically good. North Carolina, USC, UCLA, like uh, – or UCLA, excuse me, uh, you know, are, are, are historically good baseball teams in, in college baseball. So, um, you know, it's something to – it's an interesting debate to have, but I really do think – because winning the SEC is so hard to do. I mean, you Florida's so good. Texas A&M's so good. But what I'm saying is it's just – it's so hard to stack those wins together in this conference to where I think that when going to Omaha, the route to that is actually easier than it is to win the SEC. That's how tough this league is. So I cannot wait to get more into baseball stuff. We'll do a lot with it next week. I want to preview the Texas A&M-Tennessee game a little bit because I really think this could be a make-or-break season. I mean, make-or-break game for the Aggies. We'll talk about that ball game coming up right here on Locked on Aggies. Okay, this is interesting to me, this this basketball game. This is going to be, listen, playing on the road in the SEC is never easy. I don't care where you're going. It is never easy an easy thing to do. It's not going to be easy for Tennessee to come in to Reed Arena and play well. Tennessee is a really good basketball team. A really good basketball team. I don't know if y'all have had the opportunity to watch them play. They are incredible. No question there. But I do think that when a team comes to your home court and you got a rowdy arena, if you play good, 
on the offensive end and you have a good defensive day and you keep rebounding, you do, if you do what you've been doing and then make your shots and, of course, your free throws, Texas A&M can win this basketball game. Now, will they be favored? No. Do the metrics think they're going to win? No. Do the, does this ESPN matchup predictor think they're going to win? No. Okay? I mean, of course, it's, I'm not saying this is likely. What I'm saying is there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of things I don't hate a basketball team being, and one of those is desperate. And this Texas A&M team is desperate. You know, to me, well, the last time they were desperate, when they um, started SEC play 0-2, what did they do? They beat Kentucky in a Reed Arena. And now, Tennessee's better than Kentucky. We saw that play out when when um, Tennessee steamrolled Kentucky in Rupp Arena. But, um, you know, that's what I'm saying. A, a desperate Texas A&M team needed the quad one win, and they got it, beating Kentucky. Uh, they're on now. Texas A&M, you know, you're on a little bit of a roll right now. You 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 beat uh, Florida. You beat Missouri. You, you're feeling good. You've won two ball games in a row. You won a game this week away from home. Now you're back at home for a Saturday game. People are gonna be excited. Texas A&M can win this basketball game. Like I said, the metrics won't believe it. The numbers won't believe it. Vegas won't believe it. But it's reality. Um. So. The key to beating to beating Tennessee was taught to us by the South Carolina Gamecocks. And I'll tell you what that is, and it's pretty simple. It is um, not letting the other guys beat you. So if you look at Tennessee's numbers, what happened against, for example, here, let's pull this up. What, ha- what did Tennessee do against Kentucky? Well, I'll show you. They scored 103 points and listen to the numbers. Dalton Connect had 16, and that's their star. Dalton Connect is, is one of the best players in the SEC. He had 16 points. So I'm like, oh, 16 points? Wow. But he's averaging like a million points in SEC play. So what happened? Here's your other. Here's the points you got from your other starters. Adu, 11 points. Zakai Ziegler, 26 points. Uh, Santiago Vescovi, 11 points. Josiah Jordan James, 26 points. This is what I'm talking about. The other guys beat Kentucky in that game, not just connected. Connect had a fine game, but the other guys beat him. Then you look at the South Carolina game. Here is the blueprint. Now, of course, holding Tennessee to 59 points, you have a shot to win. But listen, Don Connect has 31 points. Tennessee has 59 as a whole, so he has over half of their points. Then you pull the rest of their starting lineup. Josiah Jordan James has two points. Adu has six points. Zakai Ziegler has two points. Viscovi has 10 points. You know, the other guys didn't beat you. It took Dalton Connect to try and beat you, and he couldn't do it himself. So I think that's what you got to do. You got to do everything you can, you know, take the other guys out of the game and, and let Connect score 30 points. Who cares? If you score, if you score uh, 64 points, they score 62, and Connect has 59 of those 62, who cares? Who cares? You won the game. That's kind of my point. So um, don't let the other guys beat you. I think getting easy looks is going to be really important in this game. You got to get easy, easy looks. You know, this team hasn't been shooting the ball extremely well this year from deep. So, and Tennessee is one of the best defense when it, defenses when it comes to Ken Palm rating. So what do you do? You, you, you beat them with easy looks. You use um, your offensive rebounding. You get to the rim. You score. You get to the line and make your free throws. Don't just get to the line. Make your free throws. So easy looks. So they play great defense. You have to get those easy around the rim looks. Um, and then I mean, listen. If you win this basketball game, 
you could you this could be this could springboard you into the SEC tournament in the March. It's huge. You, I think I th- it's not a must win, but man, would the outlook on this season for Texas A&M be so much better if they found a way to beat the Vols on Saturday. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Aggies and this week here at Locked on Aggies. Thank you all so much for being here every single day. I really, really do appreciate it. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a great time watching it, and we will see you on Monday.